following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody. Hey, there's a, there's a good feeling here tonight, isn't there? There's just a, it's, just, it's just a good old home feeling. What a joy to be in church. Uh, I love church. I love church. Somebody asked me, said, you preaching out? I said, I'm yoked up for you right now. <laughs> I, uh, I, love, I love coming to the house of God. I love his house. This is my happy place. And the more you come, the more you'll realize it is a happy place. We will never leave you disgruntled and mean preached to, but we'll lift you and help you and strengthen you with everything we have because you fight the devil and the world and sin out there. There's no sense coming in here and having to fight a preacher. Amen. 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 So I got a problem though tonight. I've got to follow that message Sunday. Jesus have mercy. Lord God. I noticed her title, Be the Mother Of, that was her title, Be the Mother Of, and she didn't relate to that a whole lot, and uh, I'll have to give her some counseling on that, but I'm teasing, folks, I'm teasing. Uh, She did amazing, but she preached the mother of messages on Mother's Day Sunday. It was just incredible. I love love what Cassidy did. I've always prayed that the children that Patty and I raised would excel what we've already done. And they would do more. They would be an Elisha to an Elijah. They would have a double portion. They would do more than we ever accomplished. And I think I'm beginning to see that there's something there called Poe. That's the start of potential. To see the greatness of God in our family and in your family and people that come to this church. God is not going to slack in the last days. It's going to get greater and greater and greater and greater. Because this church is not going out with a wimp and a limp. This church is going out with a shout and no doubt. You hear me? God's going to help us. He's going to give us power and strength to do the things we need to do. There is nothing with more power in this world than God's church. This church is holding back the Antichrist right now. This church is holding back the greatest measure of sin you could ever imagine. Oh, we're seeing it, but the church is doing some greatness holding it back. We are more than the little boy that stuck his finger in the dock. We have a big brother that's standing here with us named Jesus Christ. And we're holding back the dark. We really are. We're holding back the dark. Amen. We are the church that's causing the sun to stand still, to have a little more time to fight the battle. I loved, I loved our five-week series on audacious faith I really, really do. I really, really did. I, I enjoyed it. I finished it last week, and Pastor Brad and Pastor Philip helped me a week apiece, and we went five weeks, and that was one of my wonderful times of life. I enjoyed speaking at that and doing that. Tonight, folks, tonight, I don't want to let you down, but tonight I'm going to speak of generosity. I'm going to talk about generosity tonight. But I'm going to probably tell more stories tonight than I need to tell. I am a storyteller. You know that. I tell a lot of stories, and, and sometimes I think I told too many. But tonight, I will dream about how many stories I've got to tell you tonight. So I'm going to tell a lot of stories. I don't know how much preaching I'm going to do, <laughs> but 
But I love you. We're going to have a family talk tonight, okay? Would you stand all over the house? And would you lift your hands and say, Pastor, teach me the word tonight. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Teach me the word tonight. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Teach me the word tonight. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. You are the best. God bless you. Now, how many of you mothers had a great Mother's Day Sunday? Was it wonderful? Was it wonderful? Was it wonderful? How many of y'all want a prize in here Sunday? Who won a prize in here Sunday? Where? All oh, right. Do you win a prize at the normal? I was over there stuck in the corner. I didn't know who won prizes. I saw hands go up. I didn't hear names called. Who else won a prize? Who else won a prize? All right. All right. Who won that spa thing? Anybody want to bless a pastor with that? No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Speaking of generosity. You know, there was a time when generosity was illegal in Santa Cruz, California. It was illegal for someone to put money in, in other people's parking meters without their permission. The practice was called plug-in coins. was considered an illegal act by the Santa Cruz Municipal Code. The fine for a parking violation was $12. The penalty for plug-in coins was $13. But there was a clown out there named Mr. Twister, a.k.a. Corey McDonald. Well, a professional clown and balloon twister who has spared and did spare many owners in Santa Cruz the misery of that $12 parking ticket. He would put quarters in their expired parking meters. He was just a good guy. And after several warnings, Mr. Twister was ticketed for his random acts of illegal kindness. That's right. However, he refused to stop doing what he considered the golden rule, which is doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. But there is justice. In a strange twist, the news media got a hold of the story, and pretty soon, Mr. Twister was being interviewed by nearly every news organization in America. The big boys were calling him. Letters from children all over the country began pouring into Santa Cruz city offices. Other, clown, <laughs> other clowns got into the act. Bumper stickers were created. And Mr. Twister became a local and a national hero just like that. His acts of kindness prevailed, declaring the law a public relations ship disaster. The Santa Cruz City Council took emergency action one night to yank the law from the books immediately. In effort to show their support and their chagrin, each member of the City Council, along with the mayor, wore red clown noses and beat their approval as a vote for yes. All Mr. Twister, Mr. Twister ever really wanted was for people to be kind and to show it. That's all. Can I stop right here before I start teaching America needs a dose of kindness? My mother used to say, son, one's good for you, two's really good, you ought to take three. And she'd give me three doses of anything that I took. I guess I overdosed many times. But when she gave me castor oil, I said, I'll just take one dose of that. I ran from her. 
It's amazing how a random act of kindness and generosity can become a national news story. Not because Corey McDonald's generosity was so different, but because someone tried to make it illegal. And it stood out. My wife has gone through Chick-fil-A probably three times, four times maybe. I've gone through twice, three times. And I hear at the window, your meal has been paid for, sir. And the, the only thing you can do, the only thing you can do is whoever's behind me. And uh, my wife prays it's not a bunch of kids in a bus. <laughs> but it don't matter. Whoever's behind me, I'm going to take care of their food. Because there's something about kindness. There's something about this generosity that once it gets a hold of your spirit, it just keeps working. You know what I'm saying? It just keeps flowing. Let me read a quote concerning the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to put it on the screen one at a time. Love is the key. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Patience is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Generosity, what I'm teaching on tonight is love's character. The character of love is generosity. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. And self-control is love holding the reins. Generosity is one of the fruit of the Spirit, folks. In the King James Version, it's called goodness. But Galatians 5, 22 and 23 said, By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Say it with me. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine fruit of the Spirit. And there's no law against such things. In other words, you can practice it all you want, as much as you want, and as often as you want. Why don't you clap your hands to that? And if we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says the point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, say it, cheerful giver. And I read this verse the other day, and it's one of my favorite verses. And a young man named David came to be a part of our church after he heard me preach this one scripture. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. Is that not a promise of God? Does that not work? So, tonight, I won't be lengthy, but I hope I'm decent. I'm going to teach on four areas of generosity. Four areas. The first is to learn to be generous with our love. Love. Husbands and wives, you shouldn't have to be told that. Parents to children, children to parents, you shouldn't have to be told that. But we all need to love one another. Love those in the household of faith. And love those that are not in the household of faith. Love your enemies. God taught us to love people. Several years ago, there was a famous cartoon, Peanuts cartoon, in which Schroeder, that piano-loving intellectual, was interrupted as he often was by the infatuated admirer, Lucy. And Lucy asked Schroeder, this is one of my favorite comic strips, I never missed it growing up. Do you know what love is? And Schroeder abruptly stopped his plan, stood to his feet and said precisely, love, colon, noun. 
to be fond of, a strong affection for, and an attachment or devotion to a person or persons. Then he sat back down and resumed playing his piano. And Lucy sat there stunned and then murmured sarcastically, on paper, he's great. We don't need to have it on paper. We need to have it in the flesh. John's first epistle that he writes, we love because God first loved us. Guys, when I was a kid about nine or 10 years old, we used to have testimony service in West Texas. You know what my testimony was every time I stood up? With eyes closed and talking as fast as I could because I thought if my eyes were closed, nobody could see me. And I said, I love the Lord tonight because he first loved me. Pray for me, I'll make heaven my home. And I'd sit down. But I said it so fast that I was sitting down before I ever got the first word out. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is don't matter if you say it fast or you say it slow. We love because God first loved us. When you were unlovable, he loved you. That's how we roll at Christian Life Austin. We found something out and we do what we found. God loves us. Say it with me. God loves us. Not what we've done, but what he's done for us. Humility does not come from us. It's knowing that God loves us in spite of our horrible things that we've done in life. God loves us. And I'm going to put this on the screen. You might put this on refrigerator. Loved people love people. Here's what you need to understand. There was a disciple in the Bible named John. He said, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. He didn't say, I love Jesus. He said, Jesus loved me. One thing to give away love, it's another thing to be able to receive love. Here's what I want to tell you. You'll never grow just giving love away. The only way you'll grow in life is when you start receiving the love of God. Oh, can I preach to you right now? Some people think they're not good enough to be loved. You're not too bad to be loved. Everybody in this house is loved. Jesus went to a cross for everybody here. And you've got to learn to receive it. And when you learn to receive it, you'll have a breakthrough in your life in victory in the things of life. I believe that when I learned how to receive the love of God, it overwhelmed me. I used to give it away, give it away, give it away. But when I learned how to receive it, it made me grow and realize I could have a ministry. I could do this thing called preach and I could do this thing called pastor. There's an old Dennis the Menace cartoon, and it shows Dennis and Joey leaving the Wilson's front porch, each with a handful of cookies. And Joey has this surprised look on his face, and Dennis says, Mrs. Wilson gives us cookies, not because we're nice. She gives us cookies because she's nice. Mrs. Wilson is living out the golden rule. Dennis and Joey are just responding. God loves us, and he shows it every day. He shows it with your work. He shows it with, your, with the things in your life. He shows you he loves you. He loves you, folks. He loves you. And until you get that in your heart, you will never grow in this thing called life. But I want you to open up your heart right now. Come on, let's do it. And say, I know one thing, Pastor. Say it. I know one thing. You have preached it a long time. God loves me. And because he loves me, I can excel in this thing called life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I read about a man traveling in rural Oklahoma years ago and he ran out of gas. And he went to a nearby farmhouse to call a service station, but the farmer insisted on taking him to town. 
bringing him back with a gas can and even staying with him till the car was running again. And the grateful man offered the farmer a $20 bill. Back in that day, it was a lot of money. And the farmer shook his head no. And when the man insisted, the farmer replied, look, mister, I feel very good about helping you. <laughs> if I took your money, you'd buy that feeling back from me. And that feeling that I have is not for sale. Speaking about generosity, the farmer understood, the man understood, generosity is not for sale. Somebody say, I love Jesus because he first loved me. The second generous I want to talk about is be generous with our forgiveness. We need to forgive, folks. We don't need to hold grudges. Man went to see his doctor because he was feeling absolutely terrible. After a careful examination, the doctor left the room and took some tests and came back with a very somber expression. He said this, sir, I don't know how to break the news to you, but you have rabies and you're going to die real soon. And the man very calmly got out a piece of paper and began furiously writing. The doctor said, what are you doing making out your will? He said, oh no, I'm writing out a list of people I'm going to bite when I leave here. That's funny. That's funny. You don't need to bite anybody. Sign on a bank said to err is human. Remember it's a bank to forgive is not our policy. Our policy at the church is to forgive. Can I say something to, for all of you? And I'm going to speak on your behalf. I don't care what walks in the doors of this church. I don't care how dirty they come from how deep of a sin world they come from. This is a house of grace. This is a house of forgiveness. It's a house of mercy. Come on. It's a house of glory. And God can save the guttermost and make them the uttermost. Amen. Jesus said seven times 70 a day, Peter, not just seven times a day do you forgive. You know what I, I realized in that when I read it this last time, that's 491st times in a day. That's 491st times. It's not saying, okay, I forgive you. I'm going to tell my wife, I forgive you, forgive, 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 Okay, I'm done. He didn't say 491. No, that's 491st times. Can you forgive 491st times in a day? That means every day you live, you need to be forgiven all day long. Perhaps you heard a story about the woman who was ordered to fill a large bucket with water and was told to carry the bucket from the well a short way to the kitchen at home. There was a serious problem, though. The bucket had many small holes in the bottom. This is the same dilemma that affects each of us. We got a lot of holes in our situations, and our buckets of forgiveness are flawed and full of holes many times. But he did, she said, they did, they did this. Most of the time, by the time we have decided to forgive someone, we have run out of steam and run out of water. We run out of enthusiasm for the forgiven on the way, on the way that we see the people we're trying to forgive. We might even decide there are a few more reasons why we should not forgive them instead of to forgive them. But God's bucket is full and without holes. There's no holes. God's bucket is sufficient, ours are not. It's an interesting note. The more we fill our buckets with forgiveness, the more the holes start mending themselves. It's like that guy that emphasizes that spray on stuff that'll make ships float. You need some of that to plug up the forgiveness holes in your bucket. 
It takes a conscious act of willingness, an act of obedience. Even if you can't make a full journey, your willingness to take those first steps begin to mend your bucket. Forgiveness is simply this, giving up my right to hurt you because you hurt me. But when you forgive, believe me, there's a load that lifts off for you. You feel like you could run the marathon and you never run a hundred yard dash. I'm telling you, God can lift your spirit like nothing else when you learn how to say, it's all right, I'm going to let it go. Because God's got something greater for you on the other side when you learn to say that and forgive. God blesses forgivers. He does. You know I'm going to put an ice cream story in it. Mother took her children to a restaurant. Her six-year-old son asked if he could say the blessing. And as they bowed their head, he prayed, God is good, God is great. Thank you for the food. And I would even thank you more if mom would get us ice cream for dessert. <laughs> and liberty and justice for all, amen. <laughs> Six years old. Along with the laughter from the other customers, a woman nearby, a woman that had a bad attitude. See, that's what's wrong with this country. Kids today don't even know how to pray. Asking God for ice cream, well, I've never in all my life. The boy started to cry, Mom, did I do wrong? Is God mad at me? The mom assured him, it's all right. God's not mad. Then an elderly man, probably looked something like me, approached the table, winked at the boy and said, I happen to know that God thought that it was a great prayer. Really, said the little fella. Crossed my heart, said the man. Then in theatrical whisper, he added with enough volume to, criti to the critical woman so she could hear. Too bad she never asked God for ice cream. A little ice cream is good for the soul sometimes. <laughs> and the mother did purchase ice cream at the end of the meal. Her son stared at his ice cream for a moment and then did something a bit unusual. He picked up his Sunday and without a word walked over and placed it in front of the woman. A big smile on his face, he told her, here, this is for you. That man said ice cream is good for the soul. And my soul is good already. I don't need any. <laughs> is that a neat story or what? As the Irish pray, may those who love us love us. And those who don't love us, may God turn their hearts. And if he doesn't turn their hearts, may he turn their ankles. <laughs> so we'll know them by their limp. <laughs> I told you it wasn't going to be a normal message tonight, folks. James Oglethorpe once said to John Wesley, sir, I never will forgive. I cannot forgive. And Wesley said then, sir, I hope you never sin. All of us need forgiveness. He that cannot forgive others burns the bridge over which he must pass himself. For every man has a need to be forgiven. One of my favorite, favorite men to read after is Charles Spurgeon. He said, let us go to Calvary to learn how we may be forgiven. And then let us linger there to learn how to forgive. I'm halfway through. I got 15 minutes to finish and I'm going to be ahead of time. So you all right with me right now? Everybody say generous in love. Generous in forgiveness. And the third is generous with our giving. Don't do this on me. Come on, let's talk about giving. I read a story about a wealthy man who was dying in his mansion and his family gathered around and asked him for his last wish. He said, before I die, I would like to take a ride. 
And they asked him if he required what, asked him what he required for that final ride before entering the kingdom of heaven. And he said, I would like a very small camel and a very large needle. Because he was a tightwad and he looked to his riches and not to the mercy of God to take him to heaven. It's hard for a rich man that looks at his riches instead of God to go to heaven. And he said, I'd like to have a small camel and a large needle. A beggar one day was by the roadside and asked for alms from Alexander the Great as he was passing by. And Alexander threw the man several gold coins. The courtier was astonished at Alexander's generosity and commented, Dear sir, copper coins would adequately meet this beggar's need. Why give him gold? And Alexander responded in royal fashion, copper coins would suit the beggar's needs, but gold coins suits Alexander's giving. I want to stop and say, I want to stop and say a great kudos to this congregation. I don't want to go to crying. But folks, we built a building in a pandemic. Come on. I'm going to say that again with no emotion, but a little bit louder. We built a building in pandemic. I, I received, I received, I received phone calls. I received people saying, they called me Bo. Bo, are you all right? Is everything okay? What are y'all doing? Well, we're building a building. Do you know when it, you know what's happening right now? We may never come out of this. Well, we're building a church. I kind of, I kind of felt like Noah sometime. <laughs> Took him 120 years to build that ark and it had never rained. Noah, have you been to the psychiatrist lately? Has he checked you out? Man, you've been in the sun too long. Pastor Rex, what's happening? Man, I stopped my building. I stopped my building program. Well, we didn't. You know why we didn't? Because we don't have people with wealth in this building that's looking for a little camel and a large needle. We have people in this building that love God and reverence God and give to God and cause this church, hear me, listen to me, listen to me, to have a record year in giving in 2020. A record year in giving in 2020. I think I can dance a little bit to that. We wasn't even in church. We wasn't even here. And people just kept giving and giving and giving and giving. Here's what I want to tell you. Well, I'll tell you what, Pastor, that's, I think I'll just hold on to mine since you got enough anyhow. No, we don't have enough. No, we don't. Now we're here and a lot of people have said, well, we got it built now. Let's just slip back. No, we got to pay for it now. That's a story. That's not a made up. That's a story right there. We got to pay for it. And you know, the Bible speaks of giving. The Bible speaks of tithing. The Bible talks about bringing your tithe to the storehouse. The Bible talks about gifts of offerings above your tithe. And, and you know what, folks? When you think about what Jesus has done for us and how great he did for us and what he did for us on the cross, he gave everything. And he asked us for a little 10% storehouse tithe 
and he asked us to bring our tithe to the storehouse. And he told in the New Testament that we need to do even greater than that. We need to not even worry about a percentage, but just give until we don't feel like we can give anymore. He talked about the sacrifice of giving, the sacrifice of giving. I want to tell you something, folks. I'll give everything I have. If I have to sell my house to help pay this church, we'll move out of my house because this church means more to me than anything in this world except my family. Now you hear me. I want this church to go down in history as a church where salvation was preached, where we didn't have to talk about money all the time, but salvation was preached. The glory of God came down. 75 to 80 people have already been registered to be baptized Sunday. That's what we're about in this house. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say amen to that. Come on now, come on now. Come on now, it's about giving. Give and it shall be given to you. But when he gives it back, it's more than you give. It's heaped down, heaped up, pressed down, shaken together, running over into your bosom. He'll put something in you. You'll feel so great about giving. Don't give reluctantly. Give expectantly. Give cheerfully and say, I'm helping the church. I'm moving the church forward. Amen. If you never give a dime, you can come because you know what? Honestly, I don't know. I don't keep the books. I don't care to. I don't want to look at them because I want to treat everybody the same. I want everybody to feel the same love and the same joy and the same peace. But you know what, folks? If you're not giving, you're not living. And you might as well go ahead and start living. Let's, let's move this church forward and get it paid off, all right? In Jesus' name. It's blessed. It's more blessed to give. So the case of Mr. Twister, the clown, it doesn't take very much to be generous in our giving to God. There's a chicken soup for the soul story. A pastor tells how in one church a certain person provided him with a rose boutonniere for his appeal every, every Sunday. And after a while, it became a routine. Then one Sunday, it became very special. Leaving Sunday service, the pastor had this, had this boutonniere. And a little boy walked up and said, sir, what are you going to do with that flower? The pastor at first did not know what the boy meant. Then he pointed to the rose on his lapel and said, do you mean this? And he said, yes, sir. If you're going to throw it away, I'd like to have it, sir. The preacher smiled and told him he, would, he could have the flower. Then casually asked, what he was going to do with it. And the boy, no more than 10 years old, looked up the preacher and said, sir, I'm going to give it to my grandmother. My mother and father divorced last year and I was living with my mother, and, but she married again and they didn't want me. So I went to live with my father. I lived with him for a while, but he said he couldn't, I couldn't stay. So he sent me to live with my grandmother. My grandmother hadn't thrown me out. She's been so good to me. She cooks for me. She washes my clothes, takes care of me. And because of that, I wanted to give her that pretty flower just for loving me. When the little boy finished, the preacher had a lump in his throat, his eyes filled with tears, and he knew that he had been touched by God. And he reached up and unpinned the rose, and with the flower in his hand, he looked at the boy, and he said, Son, that's the nicest thing I've ever heard, but you can't have this flower because it's not enough. If you'll go to the front of the pulpit, you'll see a big bouquet of flowers that are there every Sunday. Different families buy them. Yeah, I love it too. Different families buy them for the church each week. And please take all those flowers, the whole thing, to your grandma because she deserves the best. And next week, take another one. And the next week, take another one. And the boy made one last statement, which the pastor said he will always treasure. The boy said, what a great day. I asked for one flower, and I got a whole bunch of beautiful bouquets.
You're going to be surprised what God will put back on you when you start giving cheerfully to the kingdom of God. You're liable to walk out here with a bunch of beautiful bouquets. You're liable to get a raise that you only dreamed possible. You know what? Your car will run longer. Your tires will last longer. You can run your oil 10,000 miles instead of 5,000 miles. Amen. Your starter won't go out. You'll always have a way to get around because God takes care of people that love the kingdom of God. That's generosity. Love, forgiveness, and giving. And the fourth one, and I close, is being generous with our kindness. I was loved by one man in my life as a pastor. I never had a pastor except one that truly, truly loved me. And I was so enamored by his love, so enamored by the fact that he had hopes for me. I'm sorry. That it was like I was 40 to 45 years old before I ever, ever received and understood that he truly did because I truly did not have that in my life. And what I pastor from, and I'm not a sissy crowd up here, but what I pastor from is what I didn't get. You're going to receive in this house. And you can walk away from it, but you'll never walk away from the fact that I don't like you or I don't love you. You're going to be loved in this house till Jesus comes. You can clap for that if you want to. I don't care where you're from. One thing I've discovered about kindness is that it's difficult to give away, give it away because it keeps coming back to you. The more kindness you show, the more kindness is shown to you. It's like one of those immutable laws of the spirit. It really is. Amen. It's like trying to outgive God. It just can't be done. Somebody said it best to be kind is to remember the golden rule and remember it's your turn. <laughs> I like that. One man said kindness is in our power even when fondness is not. <laughs> well, Pastor, I don't like that person. It don't matter. You can be kind to them. Kindness is what sets Christians apart from the rest of the world. Stories are told of a little girl who was standing in line at church to get a free ice cream cone. I told you I was going to tell some ice cream stories. One hot summer day and there wasn't any cost for the ice cream except a hug from the older lady who was giving out the ice cream. Each child said a polite thank you and offered a hug. After receiving the ice cream cone, the little girl gave the person two hugs and walked away by saying, keep the change. Conclusion, an old proverb says, a bit of fragrance always clings to the hand that gives you roses. Be generous with your love. Be generous with your forgiveness. Be generous with your giving. And be generous with your kindness so the fruit of the Spirit might continue to grow in you and touch the lives of others. And if you'll come. Thank you. You're already here. You're smart. You're so good. I'm going to make this story brief. It's a long story. I'm going to make it brief because I want to finish. 
There's a man that I know, his first name is Gordon. He's a missionary to the Philippines for a number of years, a number of years. He's retired now. In fact, he lives in Phoenix, Arizona. And he's not well, he's got cancer. He's an older man, probably perhaps in his mid eighties. Great missionary, had great revival. I took an IYC bunch of kids in 1984 over there and uh, was overwhelmed at the salvations that were pouring through that place. They had services in uh, big stadiums, you know. First time I'd seen big stadiums. And you'd preach 10 minutes and 150 people come to salvation. <laughs> they didn't even need a preacher. They just, <laughs> we just kind of acted like we did it and we didn't do it. But there was a young man who was the youth pastor of the work in the Philippines. He's a youth pastor that we all got to know. His name was Apollo. And uh, Apollo became a powerful preacher. In fact, became one of the most powerful preachers in all the, all the Philippines. In fact, today he's, he's known to be one of the wealthiest, perhaps the second most wealthy man in all the Philippines because God has just let him accrue and accrue all in the name of the church. He just, he's just built churches all over, the, all over the country. And Apollo came up under Pastor Gordon's ministry. And Pastor Gordon was living kind of, you know, a missionary don't have a lot of retirement. And uh, he came back to America and he was still trying to preach around the country just to make ends meet. One day he got a phone call from Apollo. And Apollo called him and said, sir, I want you to meet me in a certain place. I, I want to tell you something. And he sent, he sent a plane to pick him up and took him to this place. And Apollo met him and said, sir, would you mind if I blessed you? Would you mind if you didn't have to worry about anything the rest of your days? Can I just take care of you as my father, as my surrogate father and father in the Lord? And Brother Gordon didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to say. He had never had anything like that. And he said, why are you doing this? He said, because when I was a lost son, when I was a lost boy, and I was drugging and I was selling drugs and I was doing all the stuff that was not right. You loved me. You cared for me and you brought me in and you kept your hand on me and you watched over me and you led me to the Lord. You baptized me. I was filled with the spirit. And he said, sir, I, I can't get over saying thanks. Thanks is not enough. Can I take care of you? He flew him to Phoenix, Arizona, took him to a golf course and said, pick out a lot. They were building a new course and they, Picked out a lot and he said, okay, pick out a style of home you want. Cost is not a problem. God have mercy. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? I'm telling a sweet story here, folks. And he built him a home and he said, now, he said, once a week, we're going to stock your pantry. So eat whatever you want and whatever you want, just order it. and We'll stock it every week. He gave him a stipend, gave him some money to live on, bought him two new continental cars. One for him, one for his wife. He said, anytime you want to fly anywhere, just holler at me and I'll send my men. They'll come pick you up. Oh, to be a missionary in the Philippines. <laughs> Here's the deal. Here's the deal. A man who never dreamed that something like that would happen to him just kept loving people. I love Dr. Gordon. I love him. I think he's an amazing man. 
and I hadn't seen him in a long time, but if I saw him, he reminds you of Rodney Dangerfield. Just can't get no breaks in life. You know, he was one of them kind of real funny guy. But can you imagine retiring from a missionary salary and now living in wonder and glory because he preached the gospel with love, with forgiveness, and kept giving and kept caring. And look what God's done. You can't beat the kingdom of God. It is the greatest life in all the world. Stand to your feet. Look around you. Wave at somebody beside you and say, you're my, you're my church buddy. You're my church sister. You're my church man. You're my church lady. Ain't that beautiful? Hey, we've had a good time tonight, hadn't we? We've had a good time tonight, hadn't we? Huh? What a joy. What a joy. What a joy. Now, here's what I want us to do. I want us to bow our heads and I want us to say, Lord, I want to give. I want to be generous in my love. I want to be generous in my forgiveness. I want to be generous in my giving. And I want to be generous in my kindness to others. I want to be that. I want to be a generous person. I want to live, said I want to live the fruit of the Spirit. I want Ephesians 5 to be alive in my heart and my life. Everybody say, speaking of generosity, I need to bless somebody. I need my children to be blessed. I need to go out of my way and do something special for somebody in my life. And when you're giving, understand you're really living. You're really living. Raise your hands. I love you, Jesus, and I thank you for these people. I thank you for this Wednesday night. I thank you for the love that you have shown on us. Thank you for the love that you have blessed us with. And I thank you, God, because you care about us. You give to us. You share with us. And Jesus, bottom line, you love us. And thank you for that opportunity to be expressive of that because we love you because you first loved us. Now bring us back Sunday for an exciting day an exciting day of water baptism, an exciting day of the word and worship, an exciting day of the Holy Spirit being outpoured, an exciting day of a wonderful, wonderful Sunday called May the 16th. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. You're the greatest in the world. I love you. I love you.